Blog Talk Radio. All right, welcome to the March Madness Preview Podcast. I'm Josh Adams, the editor of College Hoops Digest, and I'm joined by my friend, contributor to the website, Big East Network, Pirate Sports Network, my friend John Fanna. John, how you doing? Josh, I'm fantastic. This is the best three weeks in sports, and it's already revved up with the first four tonight. really gets going on Thursday, but uh, I'm great. And you know what? This is what it's all about. And in college basketball this year, there's been a mystery of who that number one team is, and that's what's so fascinating. Heading into the NCAA tournament, a lot of interesting scenarios to cover tonight, and this is going to be one heck of a tournament. Well, where do you want to start? Uh, you know, we have the East region, which has the overall number one with Villanova. Uh, really tough draw with them. You know, they get Duke as the number two seed. You know, Florida's in there. Baylor's in there. I mean, where do you see out of the East region? Well, what I see is I really found it surprising. Now, I know the committee looks at certain things, and the setup is great for Villanova and Duke to meet at Madison Square Garden in what would be a fantastic Elite Eight game. But Let's look at it here. That's a terrible draw for Villanova. The fact that they're the number one overall seed and they could have to face Wisconsin to end their first weekend is really difficult. I think that's a real uh, toss-up 8-9 game, Wisconsin and Virginia Tech. Yeah, it's an 8-9 game. It's supposed to be one. I think the committee did an interesting job of creating some really good 8-9 matchups. Watch out for Buzz Williams' team. Zach Ledet has been really good for Virginia Tech, and they have six scores that are averaging at least nine points. That could be a handful for Wisconsin's defense, which is their calling card, but they've had a mighty time scoring the basketball because they've really just struggled to get consistent guard production. We know what uh, Hap can do down low, and Nigel Hayes, they're experienced, and that's what makes them dangerous as an eight seed. I think that Villanova and Duke, I did stick with the chalk here in this region, but I did not stick with it in a couple of matchups in the middle of it. That's mm-hmm. right. I've got not one, but two upsets in the East. I think that it could be chaotic. I am going right out and saying that both the four and the five will lose. That's right. I've got East oh. Tennessee State pulling it off over Florida. This is a team that has a couple of uh, major talent that – is in a mid-major program. Tevin Glass, the transfer from Wichita State, comes to mind. This is a program that's ready for this one. Coach Steve Forbes has done a very good job with East Tennessee State. I think they're poised for an upset. They average nearly 80 points a game. They out-rebound their opponents by nearly five a game. And Florida, without Sean Egbunu, maker to the Gators, it's why they've lost three of four. It's a huge difference. You know, we saw Florida down in Orlando at the uh, Walt Disney tournament that Seton Hall was in. And Igbunu was a difference maker, a uh, huge shot blocker. And without him, yeah, Florida's got some real deficiencies in the middle. I like I like Florida's athletes. You know, that's what kind of stood out to me when I saw the play uh, down there. I thought they were one of the most athletic teams that I've seen all year. But, yeah, without him, uh, they're really vulnerable. So, yeah, I can could, I could totally see the Tennessee State uh, take And I'm not done. Sure. I'm not done. Okay. Because I believe that this is the year that Tony Bennett's team goes down. 
They have not shown me enough promise as the season's gone on. And so as a guy who loves going through these brackets and picking some upsets, I've called it before. I'm going to call it again here. I think UNC Wilmington, they're cut out for this stage with C.J. Bryce leading them 17.6 points per game. This is a, a real dynamic score for UNC Wilmington. He can do a little bit of everything. And the way that they score the basketball as well could give Virginia some real problems. Virginia's on high alert here, Josh, because, Mm -hmm. yes, we know that in the past couple of seasons they've had trouble scoring the basketball. But they've had Mm -hmm. so much trouble scoring the basketball that it doesn't matter how they defend. It's true. I had Virginia – you know, I kind of overestimated Virginia – uh, especially in the ACC tournament, I thought they were going to produce a little bit better. They're, spl- they're sputtering a little bit, and so you're you're thinking that it's going to be a twelve thirteen matchup in the East, a UNCW East Tennessee State matchup. I do. Be I, awesome. I really do. I think that I think that the East will have two upsets here, two major upsets, and I just have the feeling with Florida, they're a slumping team, and what normally takes away from an upset happening? Size because what these major programs have is some size that can completely cancel out the mid-major athleticism on the other side when you have elite rebounding. And Egbunu is just an absolute force down low on both ends. I saw, we both saw Florida earlier in the season, and you said it. You were impressed with their athletes. But the other thing that they did to Seton Hall, which surprised me, was they wore Seton Hall down. How many times has Seton Hall been out physical? That doesn't happen to Seton Hall. And that's what I took away from that the most. Now, without your man in the middle, it's tough for you to win games that way. It's tough for you to say, yeah, defensively, we're just going to completely out physical them. And when they go to the rim, we've got somebody ready. Well, right now they haven't had that. And that's then allowing them to give up easier buckets to teams. And a team like East Tennessee State, that has the number of scoring options that they do, they're a program that could be really poised for one of these 413 upsets. Absolutely. Well, speaking of Seton Hall, let's call in the professor. Hi, Jerry. Hello, How guys. Are you? Good evening. It's, it's Josh and John. Uh, nice to meet Jerry Carino, the professor of New Jersey Hoops. You can find him on Twitter at NJ, at NJ Hoops Haven. So, let's talk Seton Hall, Arkansas, Jerry. What are you seeing in this game? Well, I, I, from the moment it came up on the screen, guys, I thought it was a great matchup for the Hall uh, for a variety of reasons. And let's start with the location. It's on the East Coast, okay? And after what happened last year, that's big. To travel across two time zones, you know, playing at altitude, really hurt this team. Don't have to worry about that now. Two is it's on Friday. They have an extra day of rest. That's big because Sonogo is still recovering from this ankle. I guess he retweaked it late against Villanova. So the extra day is big for that. And I just feel like last year I had a doom and gloom vibe from the program when that draw came about. This year I feel like they're very, they're very pumped about it, um, number one. And number two, I like them coming off a loss in the Big East tournament. I, I'm very much a believer in losing the conference tournament, win later. Um, and so I think it all lines up. When you look at the way Arkansas plays, they like to go up and down the court. They like to fire away. I think Seton Hall will be really comfortable playing that type of game. So it all adds up to a great matchup for the Hall. And 
I think they're going to win this game. Not only going to win, I think they're going to win it. There's a chance they're going to win it comfortably. So I think it really shapes up nicely yeah. for them. Go, Jerry, go ahead, John Santa here. What do you think is the biggest thing beyond Arkansas's pace that should concern Seton Hall in this matchup? Well, they have a good big man. So, I mean, when you, you know, with teams that have a good big man, teams that don't have a good big man are going to get overrun by Angel Delgado. Teams right. that have a good, he, again, this guy's big. I mean, he's big, physically big. And, he's, you know, eight rebounds a game is nothing to sneeze at. I don't care what league you're in. So, they have a guy who can bang bodies with Delgado. And so, you know, if if he's real physical and can, you're not going to outplay Angel. But if, he, if, if Angel doesn't dominate him, how does the, you know, where does Seton Hall's offense come from? How do they, you know, how do they right. function? How do they score? Like, how, you know, all those second chances they always get. So that's, I think, the, the wild card in the mix is that there is a guy who's big and who's pretty good for Arkansas. So that does, I think that does give Arkansas some, some from the Arkansas perspective, that they can, they can play with Seton Hall. Well, and I think that the Jerry. other thing is about this matchup, to, to zone in on it here, what, what I would say about this uh, before we get to your question, Josh, is that mm-hmm. Kevin Willard said that this team reminds him of Creighton. And I think Seton Hall is extremely comfortable in that type of setting because Creighton and Marquette are two Big East teams that play similar stylistically. That kind of style allows Seton Hall's offense to get going because if you're going to run in transition – Eventually, you're going to be giving up open looks. And I think that could open things up for Kadeen Carrington. I really don't see a matchup that Arkansas has, not many do, but to meet up with Desi Rodriguez and take him away. And that's the thing. For Seton Hall, the biggest question all year has been, can they get into an offensive rhythm? Because there's been lulls, there's been different drops right. they've gone through. This is not the matchup that spells that. The formula for beating Seton Hall is, is to, grind them, to make them grind out half-court possessions. And, you know, when you – we, and I, I've, I love Madison Jones, what he's brought to the team this year. Uh, I think he's done way more than anybody could have expected. But when you don't have that classic create off the dribble floor general, it's harder in these half-court possessions. So uh, that's the formula for beating Seton Hall, the fastest, the, the shortest uh, path of least resistance against them. Arkansas's not going to do that. No, Marquette didn't play that way. Uh, Creighton doesn't play that way. And so you saw the results against them coming down the stretch. Very good for Seton Hall. So I – I think Carrington loves the wide-open game. Uh, the, the, the more fluid the tempo, the more it fits him, and he's a key guy. So I, I, I think I agree. When Kevin said Creighton, a bell went off in my head, and I said, that's what they want. You know, they want Creighton. Now, I know they want that butler. I understand that. But they don't want that butler grind you down. That would be no. not as good of a matchup. This is a better matchup style-wise, and I do think Carrington will be comfortable. When he's comfortable – you know, you have a second guy who can really torch you with Delgado, and that's how Seton Hall wins games like this. Jerry, uh, I was watching some film on Arkansas uh, yesterday. And they have this player, Dusty Hannes, who seems like the type of guard that would give Seton Hall a bunch of problems, that he's the type of guard who can always kind of find his spot on the floor to take a open shot. Do you think uh, Seton Hall will kind of rely on playing since – Arkansas basically has four guards in the center. Do you think Seton Hall will guard by position or by ability when they're when they're out there? That's a great question. I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll have to see. But, yes, that's, that is the type of player that has hurt Seton all in the past. The guy who will mm-hmm. sneak out of a – sneak around a screen or slip into a hole in the defense and, and just drain an open shot. Uh, that is – that is the type of guy who does that. I don't know. I, I think, you know, maybe they don't know. I mean, they're going to – they might just go out there and see how the matchup unfolds and make changes. I mean, Kevin's done a good job. Kevin's a good defensive coach. It's his best strength as a coach is his, his defensive tactics. So I'm confident that he will – whatever they start out in, they'll be able to adjust. The problem with Seton Hall is always going to be can they score points? Um, can they grind out possessions? He's done a good job of that lately in the last month. But I see the concern. I think there are guys like that who have hurt them in the past. Um, I, I think it's going to be more of a situation where can they, you know, can they outscore Arkansas and not can they, are they going to, you know, they're going to have a problem defensively. So we'll see. Well, mm-hmm. I don't think it can be overstated in a matchup like this. He was so crucial in the first half against Villanova where points were at a premium. You talk about outscoring. You need Miles Powell's burst of threes again. Well, you only have – the team really only has three guards, so I mean that's that's part of the issue here is that you know you're talking about a team with four guards, Josh, and Seton Hall has three, so the the math doesn't really add up. I mean they don't have a whole lot of reinforcements <laughs> coming off the bench in the backcourt. So, mm-hmm. but you know you would like the same way Ish came, you know he defended Jenkins from Villanova, who's a guard. I mean he's a big guard, but you know they're going to have to have matchups like that. So, but yeah, you do worry about the guard depth, and it does. When you're playing a team with a, with a four guards who can light it up, your three guards have to carry their load because if one guy doesn't, you're playing four on two, and then you're in trouble. So, yeah, Powell has to have a good game. He can't have a freshman deer in the headlights game. I think that goes without saying. If, if Miles Powell shoots one for nine, Seton going to have a problem. I mean, that's that goes without saying. You always ask him to shoot six for nine, but, you know, you're hoping that he hits a couple shots in key spots, which he's been doing, and, and just – so it keeps the rhythm going. And, you know, Jones has to play well, too. So you're right. They do need uh, – those three guards have to carry their weight, and that includes the freshmen doing that. You know, the bright lights of the Big East tournament didn't seem to bother Pal all that much, so I think that's pretty encouraging when we come into uh, NCAA tournament play. I mean, I thought he played great against uh, Villanova. But uh, I don't I don't want to kind of jinx it a little bit, Jerry, but, okay, let's, let's just – Say Seton Hall beats Arkansas. What do you do? You see them having a chance against North Carolina in the next round, or is that just we? We're it's gravy after that. Do they have a chance? I mean, everybody has a chance. Everybody. Has or more a than a punch, uh, more than a puncher's chance is what I'm More saying. than a puncher's is, chance? Is, no, I would say no. Uh, I would say a puncher's chance. I would say they have a puncher's <laughs> chance. So there's a difference between no chance. Like the, the, who's playing North Carolina in the first round? Like that team has no chance. Texas um, right. They have, thank you. They have no chance. I don't even know their name. I don't even know their name. They have no chance. Seton like, Hall, Hall has a puncher's chance, yes. Do, do I think they have a good, a fair chance? Of being, no, I don't because a, you just can't say they have a fair chance because they're playing a road game. It's going to be a true road game, okay? There's going to be, there'll be, you know, 12,000 people that wear a baby blue. And, and uh, that team is loaded. I mean, that's. So no, you can't you can't say they have a fair chance. They don't have a puncher's chance. But it's not just the second part of your question, and you there's where you nailed it. It's it's about winning one game, okay? Yeah. If Stephen Hall, if 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 Hall, they've had a good season no matter what. To get the back-to-back NCAs for the first time since '93-'94 is an accomplishment. We thought this was an NCAA team. 
We thought it was a 21-win team in the preseason, and they've done that. So they've had a good season no matter what. But to go two years in a row and exit in the first round, you know, when you weren't really an underdog in either game or barely were an underdog, you know, it was basically an even matchup. That would, I mean, that would kind of leave a sour taste in people's mouths. So to me, it's about, it's about winning one game. If this team wins, and similar to the old four team, and they haven't won in, you know, 13 years since they've won an NCAA tournament game, any New Jersey team in the main bracket, if they wow. win one game, if they win one, yeah, think about that. If they win one game, seat Hall, the season will be a resounding success, and then it's totally house money. And that's especially true because you have the core of the team being juniors. And so you take the, you take the one step this year, and then next year you take the big leap. So I think everyone, every Seton Hall fan in his right mind would sign for one game and one win. And that's when, when the draw came out, guys. And some people said, you know, I thought it was great. Some people said, it's terrible. They got North Carolina. I said, well, it's not about that. It's never, it wasn't about making the Sweet 16. It's about taking the next step, and that's winning one game. Well, no, no question about it. Jerry, uh, I want to get out of here, but I'd like a Final Four uh, prediction from you before, you before we let you go. Okay, so first of all, I, I think Villanova is going to repeat as a national champion. Um, right. I just, yep. you know, to, to me, they, they have it. They have it. They know how to win. And Hart, I voted for Hart for National Player of the Year because he's, he's not only a great versatile player, he's a great winner. So, I like Villanova, assuming they have seven guys. If they're down one guy, it's going to change change the situation. Villanova win. The, the game against Duke and MSG will be absolutely epic. It'll be the event of the year if that happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I like them as a champ. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go with Gonzaga. I know it's not po- a popular pick. I feel like it's their time. Uh, you know, I feel like they, they have an All-American. They have a big-time player, and it might be the most talented team they've ever had, which is saying something. Um, I like the draw. I, you know, I just feel like maybe it's their time. So uh, they look real. You know, they were great in the non-conference. I know it was ages ago, and they haven't played many close games since, which hurts. But let's go with Gonzaga also, uh, and that and, and so that's two. That's two number ones, and then um, I'm going to go with UCLA. Uh, you know, that, I know that bracket's mm-hmm. crazy, but just the the the, the scoring ability they have, uh, you can just see them catching fire. Uh, and, again, it's a team that didn't, you know, they didn't win their conference tournament. So, I, I'm big on that. I like the uh, losing the conference tournament win later. I know it's going to fight Villanova, obviously. But, uh, and then and the fourth team, this will be my, I guess, the sleeper sort of team. is, And this really applies. It's Purdue. Um, oh. You've seen this before, guys. You've seen a great player put a team on his shoulders and, carry them through the tournament, and Caleb Swanigan is a great player. And Purdue is a mismatch nightmare with the two bigs. They won the Big Ten. I know the Big Ten's down, but they won the league going away. Um, they flamed out in the conference tournament. I think they'll have a point to prove with a great player and potential matchup advantages. I'm going to go with them. You know, it's no fun to pick four ones, you know what I mean, or four favorites. Right. I'm going to go with them. Yeah. I'm going to go with them as the surprise team in the mix. Having watched them a few times, I've been really impressed with them. So and and the Big Ten may be saving a little face here, so uh, so that's my four. What do you guys think? David, Jerry, now I'm gonna have to rip up my bracket. You've uh, you made me change my mind. <laughs> I should I should add the should add the caveat that I never get this right. Although I did nail Villanova as <laughs> national champion last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey Jerry, it was good talking with you. Have safe travels down to Greensville, uh, and uh, we'll be in touch. And I uh, hope we can have yes. you back on here pretty soon. For the, uh, yeah, maybe for, maybe for the regional. Yep. 
Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Jerry, always a pleasure, my friend. Take care. Bye-bye. Same here, guys. Okay, now let's turn it over to the Turks who are playing Xavier down in Orlando. And we bring in our own Terry Cook at Occupy Utah Street. That's followed the Terps all year. Uh, was down at the Big Ten tournament in Washington, D.C. Terry, how you doing, my friend? From Jerry to Terry. What a beautiful thing. Jerry to Terry. <laughs> You're here I with only, me, and, I only uh, wish, me and John Tana. I only wish we were televised. I, I need to know what Fanta's wearing right now. <laughs> uh, Terry, I, I'm just in I'm just in some sweatpants and a t-shirt, uh, just lounging right now, and packing to go down to Greenville. But it's good to be talking to you. When, when I look at this matchup between Xavier and Maryland, I think it's a favorable draw for Xavier. But here's the issue: when you lose Edmund Sumner, Xavier has not been able to generate point guard play since. They've had trouble in their half court offense. If you can get on them, you could force some turnovers. How does this matchup play in the Maryland's hand? You know, it's it's odd. I didn't see most of the draw as they were drawing. I was in the Michigan locker room after the tournament. I get to a television just as the last two teams are drawn. First reaction, I see Xavier. I said, well, that's a loss for Maryland. I can't, wow. I can't fathom them beating a Big East team mm. like that. Maryland's playing terrible basketball right now. These last ten games, they've lost six times. They're really, you know, they were terrible in the Big Ten tournament in, in a lot of aspects of the game. But, you know, the more I've looked at the game, Xavier and Maryland are pretty similar. They turn the ball over a little bit. Neither of them right. rebound all that well. Uh, I mean, I do think there's a really good matchup in Melo Trimble, obviously, at the top. But, uh, you know, he really runs a one-and-a-half to two at this point with Cowan running the point, and he turns the ball over a lot as a freshman. So I, I, you know, I think it's a pretty even matchup. I've taken a couple different lines uh, throughout the brackets, and honestly, I have both of them winning a couple different times. I think either <laughs> could come away. Well, this turf team has, has frustrated you, and it's kind of been a tale of two seasons. You know, with the first half, they're really exceeding expectations, and you say in the second half, this is the team that we thought they are. Which team do you think kind of shows up against Xavier? Here's the thing, you know, I kind of I heard Jerry talking about losing in the conference tournament and coming back in the NCAA mm-hmm. tournaments, but I think Maryland's shot was there at the Big Ten tournament. It doesn't really get any better for them. They win an emotional, huge, you know, senior day game against Michigan State at home, get to stay home for five days while the Big Ten tournament is in their backyard, have all week to prepare, have all week, I mean – it's something that we talked about media day there. Like, dude, I did, I'm glad they didn't have to play earlier in the week cause I didn't, or, or travel because I didn't think there would be time for a young team to come down off the victory off of Michigan State like that. I really thought they'd flame out. But the amount of time that they had to prepare for the Big Ten tournament and just the ease of the tournament for them, for them to just kind of, you know, fall flat on their face like that really doesn't say a ton for where this team's headed in the big tournament. You know, it really can't instill too much confidence. John, what do you think about the Xavier team working for the Big East Network? What, kind of what is, what's your take on them? You've seen them a bunch of times this year. What's their strength weaknesses? Well, well they stretch a defense out when J.P. McCurick is hot. I mean, he's the X factor mm-hmm. in a game like this because when you have not only Blewett, who is really he's sizzling, he's playing at a high level, he can go off anytime. But when they also have 
Makura on the wing shooting the three, that's what gives them just a, a different level type of play. They are good at rebounding the basketball with Rasheed Gaston. I mean, he's done a good job for them down low. They actually have the best rebounding margin in the Big East. But at times, that's been exposed because when you don't have point guard play, not only does it hurt you offensively, but they're not guarding well when teams go in the basket. So it's mm-hmm. been tough. I mean, they have a freshman in Quinton Gooden who's tried to take the reins, and they just haven't been the same type of team because they fall into three- or four-minute low. That, well, is, that, is, that sounds too. exactly <laughs> like Maryland. <laughs> it's something I well, talk about well, every Well, then the game. committee did a nice job, right? <laughs> I think the committee did – Seating aside, I think the committee did a great job. I think this was one of the hardest brackets I've done in the last 10 years. Uh, and, I, and you kind of knew it was coming, I think. Here's what I want to know. Can Michigan keep this going? So, I don't know. I, I've thought about it all week, honestly. Uh, I mean, I kind of hung on the coattails of that team, uh, you know, from the beginning. I saw the first game uh, on, on Thursday and – thought they were going to lose that game. I really didn't think there was a chance they were going to win. I saw them in practice jersey. I mean, DJ Wilson's shorts were like three inches long. It was ridiculous, these things he were wearing. Just off a plane, off a traumatic incident, I I thought there was no way with the adrenaline bolt the night before they could carry on. But then after I saw them, I was like, oh, my God, you know, these kids are going to win the tournament. You just know sometimes. You can just see it. Uh, You know, Derek Walton was unbelievable. Irvin looked to be, you know, the senior that he is, and then everybody else was great it's like okay they're definitely going to win the thing about Michigan is they can shoot the ball if you can score you can you can make it in the tournament I definitely think I definitely think they make it you know past the first game in most instances you know I do think they can beat a Louisville team staying that hot I don't know that they can stay hot for longer than that I mean that's that's tough to sustain you know from a team that will you know wasn't that great throughout the year until, you know, the last 10 games. True. All right. Well, I'm going to bring in Jaden Daly from Daly Dose of Hoops. Terry, hang on here. We need a final four pick from you. But, Jaden, you there? I am. It's been a while since I've been here, but always good to hear <laughs> from you, Adams. How are you? Oh, very good. Very good. Jaden Daly from Daily Dose of Hoops at D-A-L-Y Dose of Hoops. DailyDoseOfHoops.com. Jaden, I want to talk a little bit about Iona and Oregon. Jaden is a Mac expert. You can catch his Mac Mondays on his website. Tell me about that matchup a little bit, Jaden. Well, you know what? It's it's not so much clashing styles as it is one offense taking flight against another one. Oregon can score. You all know about Dylan Brooks and what he brings to the table. They have many guard options. Dylan Ennis, who you may remember from Villanova, is a, a six-year senior on the team. And they have, in my opinion, the matchup to watch on the front court. Jordan Bell, who averages 10 points and eight rebounds, and when you look at his numbers per 40 minutes, averages 33 points per 40 minutes against Jordan Washington. That's going to be a fun matchup to watch. And if Washington can stay out of foul trouble and exploit Oregon without Chris Boucher, which is something that Plays in the eye on his hands. There could That's be upset loss. potential in this game. John? Well, I look at this matchup, and I just think that at the end of the day, uh, even without Boucher, Oregon's just going to be too overwhelming offensively with their pace. I think that Iona can keep up a little bit, but I do think that Oregon is 
too much in this one. I respect the job Tim Clewis has done. I think he's one of the most underrated coaches in the country with the job he's done with this team. I didn't think they could lose A.J. English and get back to the tournament this year, but they have done just that. But, Jaden, I, I know we both love talking about the mid-majors, and I have a pretty interesting uh, pick, actually, an Elite Eight pick that I wanted to get your take on, and that pick is the Wichita State Shockers. I, I like where they are as a 10 seed, and I think that they have a real run in them. It's funny, a lot of people are picking Wichita State on that half of the bracket, and a lot of people are in love with UCLA in that region also. And I I'm have not. the same team. Neither am I. I have the same team knocking both of them out, and that's Kentucky. I just think that there's something to be said about how John Calipari gets his guys to play at the right time. There's a reason why I picked them against Carolina and going into the Final Four, just because Cal is totally on another level when it comes to March. If Malik Monk is shooting well, as we saw earlier in the season, he can take them a long way. Isaiah Bristow has matured so much. But when you look at Wichita State, John, yeah, there's no reason to think that they won't be a threat to make it into the second weekend. Just like the the converse of what I just said, if Kentucky's not shooting, Greg Marshall will take that and have a field day with it. All right, guys, we got 30 seconds. Uh, Rapid fire. I need your final four predictions. Terry. Sorry, Nova, Nova, Gonzaga, Oregon, Carolina. David. Villanova, Notre Dame, Kansas, Kentucky. John. Villanova, Louisville, North Carolina, and Notre Dame. Arizona, Duke, Kansas, UCLA, Duke wins, take it to the bank. That's all we got, folks. <laughs> Loved it. Have a great one. Talk to you soon. God bless. We'll be here. We'll be back soon. See ya.